This is a CJSR podcast. Volunteer powered. Listener supported. Campus and community. Radio. Podcast. Podcast. Radio. Radio and and podcast. podcast. (laughs) (laughs) They use um, industry sort of jargon, like they talk about mouthfeel and and body and things like that. Uh, All of that enters into it. Oh, that's like wine. Well, yeah, no, you're right. It does have those kinds of properties. Hi, my name is Caitlin Carbonic, and you're listening to That's Food from CJSR. Revealing the backstory to Edmonton's food, one meal at a time. Today, I'm going to be talking about milk. Specifically, why our milk is the way it is, and why it may be different in other places. This podcast began six years ago in France, with the best batch of pancakes I have ever made. The thing about living abroad is that the ingredients you buy are actually all just a little bit different from what you are used to. So, when you try to make your trusty Martha Stewart adapted pancake recipe, with all the same ingredients but French, you're pretty much guaranteed to get a different result than you're used to and usually not in a good way. But this time, these were the best dang pancakes I'd ever had. And the main ingredient that changed these pancakes was the milk. So here I am, six years later, trying to figure out why I can't have those pancakes here in Edmonton. The first person I called up was Laura, my next door neighbor in France. We ate these life-changing pancakes together and I wanted to see if she remembered them too. Um, yeah, do you remember the pancakes I used to make? Yeah, I do remember. Um, we made it, we made it a few times, I think. Yeah, do you remember, like, I remember when I went to France, there was, like, way more choices in milk than there yeah. is here. Here, when you buy milk, it's, like, the same. Um, yeah. but I, I remember specifically, remember there used to be that, like, radiation-treated milk that didn't need to be refrigerated? Came uh, yeah, cartons? yeah. Yeah, we also have that in in Austria. Yeah, yeah, which is like very weird for me because that doesn't really exist here. Like, you can't—that's not a thing. <laughs> and also, it, it tastes like to me. It was like, is this even milk? I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't really taste like milk. Yeah, it's more like yeah. If you don't have to cool it, then it yeah. Like, what is it? But you did have the pancakes that I made, which. Um, I sometimes had with, I sometimes made with the other end of the spectrum in terms of European milk, which was the raw milk that they had there, like the unpat. Do you remember that stuff? I remember it, and I remember that we talked about it, and we said that it's not allowed in um, Canada or in the United States because um, you don't really have raw cheese and raw milk, right? Yeah, super. It's very illegal here. <laughs> what I always thought was so crazy was that like you would buy this milk and then every day it would sort of change in your fridge. Like it would just, it would, yeah. it would be different. It would be different. And then it, it would go bad really quickly, like within three days. Yeah. But it wouldn't be like bad, like milk gets here. Um, it would be like, it would just get sort of thick. And then yeah. I would use that to make pancakes and they are still to this day the best pancakes 
I've ever made in my entire life. <laughs> and I can't. You have to go back to France. That's what you want to say, right? But I guess France is also an exception in Europe because in Austria, we have the milk tastes the same as well. We have different brands, but you have like high fat milk, low fat milk, long lasting milk, and but basically they're all the same. I wonder why France is like that. Yeah, they have something about food and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Next, I talked to Dan Wong, president of the Western Dairy Council, about what makes an ideal glass of milk here in Canada and why that might be different in other areas of the world. Uh, I'm Dan Wong, and I'm the president of the Western Dairy Council, which is the uh, trade association for dairy processors in Western Canada. So in the industry, dairy processors are basically the companies that uh, transform the raw material, the raw milk, into finished dairy products. Cool. So, what does the perfect glass of milk taste like to you? <laughs> um, it would be uh, clean and consistent. And, you know, in the industry, they use um, industry sort of jargon, like they talk about mouthfeel and and body and things like that uh, all of that enters into it and oh, that's like wine well yeah no it, 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 you're right it does have those kinds of properties totally different obviously there's no mm -hmm. sort of astringency in wine uh, or sorry in milk i should say but okay. uh, uh you know but you do look for things like you know is it is, does it taste smooth um does it taste consistent um some people like a creamier texture some people like it a little bit lighter. You know, at a certain point, there's a there's a, a matter of preference, but you go looking for all those things when you when you taste milk. You look for certain quality indicators, but then there's also preference. Mm -hmm. Okay, so say if I was to put a glass of milk that had come directly out of a cow, like just straight, and then a glass of milk that has been gone through all the processing that the that the producers do what would be the main differences uh, basically what happens is that you know when the milk comes off the farm um, in its raw state it's transported uh, to a dairy processing plant and it goes through a number of, of basic processes but 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 essential processes the first thing that's important is the temperature of the milk um, well, it comes out of the cow, right? It's warm, but uh, even on the farm, uh, it's immediately put into what they call a bulk tank where it's chilled to four degrees centigrade or less. And that's done in order to basically keep it as fresh as possible. You know, milk is a, is a, uh, is a live product. And so uh, it's, a, it's a host for bacteria and microorganisms to grow. So you need to keep it chilled in order to uh, to contain that, then it gets shipped to in refrigerated tankers to the processing plant, where again it's always kept in a refrigerated state. You know, it gets to the plant, 
it basically undergoes three uh, sort of critical processes. The first is is uh, pasteurization. It's a, basically a matter of heating the milk quickly and then cooling it quickly to, to uh, uh, basically kill the bacteria that that uh, result in milk spoilage. So you want to kill those bacteria so to inhibit the spoilage of the milk. You you separate the milk in order to to separate the cream from the skim, and then you homogenize it, which is basically a process where you you break down the fat globules into into small pieces so that you get a, uh, a as the word implies, sort of a more homogeneous product. Okay. So you said that this the steps to that that dairy when it comes off the farm goes through is temperature. It needs to be cooled um, because of the bacteria in it to keep it fresh um, and pasteurized to kill the bacteria that spoils the milk. And I know this is sort of, there's like a weird faction of, I don't know, society that is really into unpasteurized milk. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like why people would be into unpasteurized milk and maybe what the difference is? Like the, the yeah, how it, does it taste different? I mean, I think it depends on, you know, who you're, you're speaking to. There are some people that are devotees of unpasteurized milk, and some of that has to do with um, sort of a history and uh, history and culture, you know, where you came from. There are not, uh, you know, not all parts of the world uh, historically have pasteurized all their milk. In parts of Europe, they make uh, certain varieties of cheese with unpasteurized milk. There are those who will tell you that uh, you know, the properties of the cheese and the flavor of the cheese made from unpasteurized milk is different. And, and you know, it, some of them would argue that it's superior. But in, in Canada, it's the law to pasteurize the milk uh, mm-hmm. for purposes of public health and food safety. The milk is required to be pasteurized. And uh, so, you know, if you are a dairy processor in Canada, you're expected to pasteurize the milk. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so if, if individuals sort of anecdotally say, well, I prefer the taste of unpasteurized milk or I prefer the, uh, the taste of the cheese that you make from unpasteurized milk, uh, you know, that may reflect their own personal experiences, their own personal histories. Mm-hmm. There are some who argue about the, uh, the nutritional differences between unpasteurized and pasteurized milk. But uh, again, uh, you know, I think that the, the differences are not that significant. You know, sort of they're different, but not necessarily better. And as a matter of fact, I think that from a from a public health standpoint, mm-hmm. um, pasteurization is very important, and that's why it's the law in Canada. Mm-hmm. Because the, um, so the bacteria that can grow in in unpasteurized milk is can be dangerous. Well, it can be. Um, it's you know, like I said before, milk is a um, is a live product and so you know there are microorganisms in the milk and there is biological activity in the milk some of it some of it is good for you some of it is not and so you know you have to be very careful about the raw product and the the the, the scientific evidence that health canada uses in order to you know make these policies basically says that you're better off with pasteurized milk from a uh, from a health and safety standpoint what I think is really interesting about milk is that it is alive and there's a lot going on in it. And you mentioned in discussing things like raw milk or, or the homogenization process that other cultures and other people 
might value sort of the the variation in the product before it gets processed. And I was wondering, what I'm wondering is whether you have thoughts on why that is. Well, I think I, th- I think it's it, you know it's it's health and it's consistency of the product. I think there's a you know there's a sense that you know milk tastes a certain way. We expect it to taste a certain way. There's a word that you hear often with respect to dairy products as well as other products, and that's fresh. Uh, you know that that that's. In, in the case of milk, what you're talking about is a product that is pretty close to its origin. It you know, comes from the cow. And uh, yes, if you process it into cheese or uh, you know, yogurt or something else, it, it, it has been transformed in that, in that state. But the milk that you drink is basically you know, pretty close to what comes out of the cow with the exception of the fact that, as I said, that it is pasteurized. They go and undergoes a homogenization process and a separation process to give it a consistent feel. So that when you buy, you know, whatever it is, two percent milk in the grocery store, you know what you're getting, and it's pretty consistent across brands because that's what we as Canadians and as consumers have come to expect. So that's it for today's episode. I hope you all get a chance at some point in your lives to go to France and make pancakes. Trust me, they're totally better than visiting the Eiffel Tower. Today's snack fact is that you can still buy non-homogenized milk in Edmonton. It's sold by Avalon Milk, and I wholeheartedly recommend scooping the cream off the top and eating it with your bare hands. Today's episode was produced by me, Caitlin Carbonic. Original music by Doug Hoyer. You can find all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Our website is thatsfood.transistor.fm, and you can contact us at thatsfood at cjsr.com. We are That's Food CJSR on Facebook and Instagram. That's Food is produced with help from CJSR on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton. But is it food? (sighs) I guess that's food. Uh. <laughs>